Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Yeah, let's just bring a bit of honesty. Yeah, it's 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 about ten years since I preached, and so this is a big thing. But we're trusting in God's word this morning, and the word I've got this morning, I trust, is simple enough that we might allow God to speak to every one of us. But I just want to just say something. I'm thinking of having a microchip fitted. <laughs> to help me cope with getting up so early on Christmas Day. I think that would be a good idea. And in actual fact, I've come this morning uh, flabbergasted. Flabbergasted, that's a word we use up in Yorkshire. And I'm absolutely amazed because Christine and myself have slept for the first time at Phil and Emma's on a special new bed that they've bought. It's downstairs at the far end of the dining room end of their lounge. And um, it's right at the very side of the double doors that lead out to the back onto the lawn. And before Lewis and Jacob went to bed last night, they faithfully went outside and placed some reindeer food on the steps that lead up to the double doors that come immediately adjacent the bed that we were to sleep on. On the right-hand side of the bed was a little plate that they had duly set up with some carrots and a nice little piece of cake with a reindeer on the top for Father Christmas. Why I'm flabbergasted this morning is, I can't believe that Christine and myself have managed to lay there in that bed. Because when we got up this morning, we opened the curtains and the reindeer food had gone. And when I looked at the plate at the right hand side of the bed on the floor, the carrots had gone and there was a great big piece, a big bite out of this piece of cake. And then what do you think we saw at the side of that? Lots and lots and lots of gifts that Santa Claus had brought. I'll tell you what I find hard to believe this morning. That Father Christmas managed to come through the doors, across our bed, with all the gifts, eat the carrots and the cake, and then go back across, and we didn't wake up. (laughs) That's my little story. It's been good to see the boys and girls just show us something of some of the gifts that they've got. And I just want to thank Phil for inviting me uh, today. And the fact that you've come this morning to hear what God wants to say. And I want to speak this morning to every one of us, I trust. I believe God's just got a few thoughts that I might share to speak to each one of us. Perhaps you've come first time to church and you don't know God in a personal way. I hope and trust that God says something special to you. But if you've been a Christian and know God in a great and personal way, and perhaps for a long time, God wants to say something to you this morning. 
And the title of my message is this. Can I trust God's gift? Can I trust God's gift? The boys and girls have got their gifts. Some adults have got theirs. But this morning we're going to talk about, and you expect me to perhaps, the very, very special gift that God Ascent to the world. The question I want to ask on behalf of every single one of us here in church this morning. Can I trust the gift that God has given? For my first scripture, I just want to read a very well-known verse that says this. It tells us what the gift is. For this is how God... Loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Can I trust God's gift? Well, that's the question. The first thing I want to say is. God wants you to trust his gift. Whether I do is up to me. Whether I do is up to me. And it's clear from the verse that we've just read that the gift that God has given us is nothing less than his own son. His own son. But it's also clear from that verse that it really does matter whether I believe in that gift, whether I actually trust in it, whether I believe the benefit in receiving that gift. Because clearly there is great benefit, that word says, that if we believe for everyone who truly believes in that gift... He will not perish, but have eternal life. And the purpose of my message this morning is to answer that question. Can I trust in God's gift? And I believe God wants to encourage us this morning to actually put every bit of our trust in the gift that he has given for our benefit. If you're like me and you're buying anything, you go online perhaps, or even in magazines, but particularly online, I want to know whether or not that gift or that thing that I'm going to purchase is any good. Is it any good? Will it do what it's supposed to do? And one of the things I usually click on is the reviews. And if you are like me, you soon come across a phrase that crops up quite frequently these days, and it's the phrase, does exactly what it says on the tin. (laughs) I might not be buying anything a tin. It might be in a packet. It could even be a car. But it says, somebody's written, it does exactly what it says on the tin. And I'm be honest with you, when I read that statement, it does something to me. 
it gives me a confidence that somebody's trying to tell me it's good. It's good. Buy it. And so I buy it. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Where's that statement come from? Well, has anybody heard of the company called Ronseal? Ronseal. Ronseal make varnish for varnishing wood. And that's where the phrase came from. It's become known as the Ronseal phrase. Dave Shelton and Liz Whiston co-founded an advertising company and in 1994 they came up with the line it does exactly what it says on the tin and they came up with that line for Rod Seal. The reason is way back then in 1994 Ron Seal was just another varnish company Selling tins of varnish among a vast market of other people selling similar products. And theirs wasn't doing very well. Anybody wandering into a DIY shop or superstore was faced with the decision, having looked on the shelves and seen loads of different wood care products, just look past Ron Seal, varnish. And the sales went down. And so Ron Seal arranged with this advertising company called Bedello Advertising to try and sort the problem out. And so they tried to come up with all kinds of uh, fancy ideas of how they might advertise Ron Seal and get people to buy this little tin of varnish once again. They thought of all sorts of ideas, but each one of them was rejected by the director of Ron Seal and said, look, all these ideas, you're trying too hard. You're just trying too hard. And what that director wanted to do was important for us this morning. What he wanted to do was to demystify the product. People really didn't know what it did. People didn't really notice it on the shelves. They were uncertain about how good it is. And he wanted to clear that up. And so the advertisers, they came up with various ideas. Because he said this, he said, look, I don't want anything fancy. I don't think it needs anything fancy. I really believe that what we should do is just... Tell the public what it does. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's just tell them clearly what it is and how good it is. And so they started with all these ideas and what they were going down the line. And one example was this. They said this. Let's use this. If you've got wood stain and you want it to dry quickly, you need Ron Seal Quick drying wood stain. <laughs> and that was the beginning. But eventually they came up with this line. Does exactly what it says on the tin. But it met with opposition. 
People thought it was a bad idea in the company. But this director stuck to his guns and acted under his convictions and said, we're going with it. It does exactly what it says on the tin. And after the initial advertising campaign, the sales shot up and Ron Seal became the brand leader. What had happened? Simply this. That statement had been used to instill confidence in people, to clear up any doubt. And people began to put their trust in the product. And now that statement is used all over the world. And if you say that statement, if something does what it says on the tin, it does exactly what it is intended to do. It's used for saying that someone or something is exactly what they seem to be. It does what it says on the tin. In other words, it's reliable. It's trustworthy. You can trust it. Well, in a way, God, with his gift of his son to the world to you and to me, wants to do the same. He doesn't want it to be uncertain in our minds. God, in his wisdom and his love for each one of us, does his best to instill confidence in you and in me so that we might look at his gift and say, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to receive it. And in doing so, God doesn't advertise, but he tells us about it. And I just want to bring two points to you this morning and say this. God tries to instill confidence in his gift in us in this way. What does he claim about his gift? Let's ask that question. What's God saying about the benefits Of his gift, his son Jesus. Well, the two points, the claim that God has is in the name. The claim is in the name. Many names and titles for God's son are in the Bible. But I just want to select two names for God's son to form two points. The point one which brings me to my second scripture, and that is the name Jesus. The name Jesus. God has embedded in the very name of his son truth in order that he might catch our attention and to instill us with the confidence in the gift of his son. In other words, God is saying to you and to me and the whole world, when I give to you Jesus, when I send Jesus into the world to you, my son, I say this reverently, friends, this morning, God is saying, it does exactly what it says on the tin. The name Jesus. When an angel appeared to Joseph, this is what the angel said. 
and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's God's claim. That's what God says is in his son. And it's in his name. Jesus means the Lord saves. Now that's a big claim. Who can save from sin? Who can forgive you and me of our sin? Do you know anybody? For God to say my son saves from sin is a big claim. But the scripture tells us that Jesus, the son of God, is special. How do we know? Just very quickly and very simply. I want to just highlight some things that God wants us to receive this morning to reinforce the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. First of all, very simply, his conception. His conception, how he was conceived. God did some wonderful things for some couples in the Bible. And they received a baby when they shouldn't have had a baby. But they were natural births through natural pregnancies that God blessed. Listen to this. Jesus' conception. And each one of these instances involves an angel. An angel appears to Joseph. Let me just read the scripture to you. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, her fiancé, was a good man and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. God saying, His son is special. Again, an angel appears and speaks to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and promises the birth of a son. The scripture says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Well, this is what the angel said. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour. With God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and we be, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel 
forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but who, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So his conception is known as the Immaculate Conception. But then his birth. Not only was the conception of Jesus miraculous, but something special took place at his birth. I'm going to challenge you. Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody that this happened that I'm going to read right now? At their birth. It says this when Jesus had been born. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So the baby is in the manger. And then it says this. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Just picture these shepherds in the field. Suddenly... The Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him. By this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Friends, I want to say that not only the conception of Jesus is special, but his birth was special. And God was trying to say what it says on the tin. It'll do exactly that. Jesus means... The Lord saves. Jesus came to the earth to save us because we can't save ourselves from sin and its consequences. No matter how good we are, we can't eliminate the sinful nature that's in us. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus didn't come to help people save themselves. He came to be their saviour from the power and the penalty of sin. I suggest this morning that we thank Jesus for his death on the cross, for dying for us that we might be forgiven of our sin. God has made a way for us to be saved. Before we come to our second point, which is just a short point, 
I wonder if I might just share something just to reinforce what we're looking at. That God wants us to put our trust in what he's saying. Now this is the first time Phil has actually asked me to speak. It's probably going to be the last because would you like to hear a story about (laughs) Phil? Well, when Phil and his elder sister were quite young, they had a hi-fi each, a stereo player with two speakers, and each of them had this hi-fi unit in their own bedrooms. And the only way that we could get them to come down when it was a mealtime, because of the noise coming from upstairs, was that I had to switch the electricity off downstairs in order that the hi-fis went dead and I couldn't let them hear your tea's ready. But eventually something happened with Angela's hi-fi. Her speakers died. And it wasn't long because Philip was always on the lookout to make a bit of money because he never had much decided to speak to his sister and put a suggestion to her. Angela, he said, and she was all ears, you've not got any speakers. You can't play your hi-fi, but I can. And so he put this suggestion in her mind, I'd like to rent you one of my speakers. And Angela thought, this sounds good. What I'm coming to, friends, is when Philip presented this deal to Angela, she wanted to know what she was getting. And as he drew the contract up, he said, you are getting one speaker, so the sound will not be stereo, it will be mono. Oh, and by the way, If you sign on the dotted line, it'll be 50p a week. (laughs) And Angela signed up, and I tell you no lie, she rented one speaker (laughs) off Philip (laughs) for 50p a week. (laughs) And so Phil did his best to reassure her that what she was going to be getting, she would get it. And she signed up. And so neither of them had stereo, they both had mono. Which brings me to my second point, and very quickly, the other name that God has given his son, the name Emmanuel. Which brings me to my third scripture. The word of God says this, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God wants us to know that he is with us. So not only was God saying, my son is Jesus, he will save you from your sins. He's saying... My son's name is Emmanuel, and I'm trying to tell you that it's me coming amongst you. God is with us. And the best way I could feel 
to try and illustrate what God is saying to us is to refer you to a scripture that's nothing at all to do with Christmas. How many can remember the account in the Gospels where Jesus has fed the 5,000 and he sends the people away and he also says to the disciples, I want you to get into the boat and I want you to go to the other side of the Lake of Galilee. And that's what they did while Jesus went alone up on the hillside to pray. And the Bible tells us something happens. Very quickly a storm arose and the disciples were right, right in the middle of that lake. And the storm arose, a very dangerous storm. And Jesus was up on the hillside alone praying. And the Bible tells us something that reveals, yes, God is indeed with us. When God sent his son, when he came, God was literally with us. But now today, friends, for us who have put our trust in God through Jesus, Jesus lives within us. So he is with us. Now this boat on the lake in the storm, the Bible says that the storm was so serious that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. And I want to suggest to you this morning that even when we know God personally, our lives can best sometimes be described just like that. We're out in the middle of nowhere and the storm is raging and the waves are against us and it feels hard to trust God. And Jesus wasn't with them physically there. And sometimes we attempt to think that God is not with us. But God wants to reassure us that he is. What I love about this story is it says that Jesus saw them in the middle of the lake in trouble. God is trying to tell us something, friends, that he is with us even, even when we think he's not. What a lovely thing to read that Jesus in his mercy came down the hill and began to walk on the water towards the boat. And the disciples seeing him thought it was a ghost. And they were ever so frightened. But Jesus got into the boat. And stilled the storm. And all was well. I don't know about you. But that reassures me that what God says is true. God is with us. And he's with you right now. And he's going to be with you throughout this next year. In every difficulty that you might face. So trust in God's gift. A remarkable thing then happened. Peter, seeing Jesus walking on the water towards him, was suddenly inspired with faith and began to trust Jesus. And did a remarkable thing. He got out of the boat, didn't he, and stepped onto the water and walked toward Jesus. God is saying to you and me, let him inspire you to put your trust in him every day of your life. One final thought. The power behind the claim. I'm just going to finish by reading this verse. 
If you were to look in Hebrews chapter 1, you will see this. How special Jesus really is. And it tells us that we can trust in God's gift. It says this, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days he has spoken to us through his son. And then it says three things. Through the son God created the universe. Secondly, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And thirdly, Jesus, his son, sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Jesus is special. He is the gift to you and me. And we can trust in him because the power is in him. I finish with this. It says in that scripture in Hebrews 1, when he, that is Jesus, had offered himself and cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. God bless you all. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.